you need to be running so fast that you feel like you're going to fall over. Okay. And if you're not doing that, then you know, you're, you're too comfortable. Whatever shit you're saying, you have to believe it, right? You have to force yourself to say, this is where I'm going to go. They were all dreamers. They all believed they could do it at some point, become the best of what they do. Who is the founder of Tiger? I'm talking about the Tiger we all know. And businesses are not built of one person. So anyone that takes the spotlight, whether it was a Tiger or anything else, it's just not the true story. Michael Kenner, former business analyst at Credit Suisse and assistant vice president at Barclays. Co-founder of the Tiger and real estate company Fazwas, runs businesses in Thailand with an estimated value of $100 million. When I got thrown out, they said he should be a builder. Is this what life is there for me? That, mm -hmm. you know, there's limitations on how far you can actually go. There's a famous saying that you can't become that rich without bending some of the rules. If you're here for news, I'd advise you to switch off right now for an in-depth conversation on interesting topics from experts and professionals around Thailand. I'd like to welcome you to Tiger Podcast. Mike, let's establish a little bit of a history. I'm going to go back to your university days and I want you to tell me what did you learn from your time in Aston University and why business and public policies? I mean, the honest truth is, is that, yeah, I was, I was a loser. Um, okay. No, straight up. Like, okay. um, I, I kind of just skipped most of school uh -huh. and um, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I went, I looked at all the universities available and I don't think I could get into any of them, was the honest truth. Uh -huh. So I went through like a clearing process where like you're basically looking for anything and this is what was available. I wasn't sure I was going to go to university till a week before I went. Okay. And basically, I just took any course that, that was kind of available. So I had zero interest in, in public policy. It was just an add-on to, to, to what I was doing. Yeah, okay. so straight up. All right. Now, you're an entrepreneur yeah. and a business owner. For someone with such entrepreneurial spirit, why did you spend four years of your prime working in banking? Uh, the, yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, I, I grew up in, um, in, in a middle class family where mm. it was a very wealthy neighborhood, but okay. I was always on the other side of the fence. Okay. As in, the grass was always greener on the other side. Okay. You know? so, As it always is. Right. Yep. So, um, I always heard that the money was in banking, and especially, you know, maybe I was a bit behind because that was maybe a few years before, because I started banking in, when the global financial crisis happened. Okay. But you know, I was like, how, how do you make this thing called money? Um, I knew the investment banks were paying well. So um, I applied for every investment bank under the sun. And I got rejected from every investment bank under the sun. Okay. Um, I took a year off and I, I played PlayStation. And as you do, you know, kind of learning kind of your life. And I went back um, a year later. And this time, I actually, instead of going through the process, because you're up against Harvard and Cambridge yeah. and you know, all the top universities, people coming here from the US or Europe, so I actually just met someone, a guy who I thought was actually my age. And I was telling him about this and I don't really get this in relation to banking and et cetera, et cetera. I didn't really know too much about it. Mm. And he really liked me as a person, as my personality. And I didn't realize it was the manager director of, of, of uh, Credit Suisse when oh, I was talking wow. to him. Okay. And he gave me a job. And, you know, in, in kind of, you know, at that point, my parents were unbelievably proud. I mean, you know, my history is I, I got kicked out of school. Yeah. 
Okay. You know? Yeah. So like from from someone who got expelled from school, and and failing to someone who's then gone into what his parents believe is a top tier job. I mean, for me, it was like for my parents it was my biggest achievement ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 that's how I started. And so just by chance, you met the right person at the right time, who happened to be managing Credit Suisse. Pretty much. I mean, it, it wasn't total chance. I mean, you create your own luck. Yes. So uh, I, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I've gone into an open day, mm. and I've spoken to someone. Um, and yeah, it's a crazy opportunity, but um, I think you have to make your own opportunities. You know? mm. So you can't just sit at home and, and expect opportunities to be given to you. Okay. So did you have this determination to succeed in life because you know you perhaps you were seen as a problem child, like you were expelled from school? Obviously, you know, then you get branded a certain type of person, like oh, that's the kid who was kicked out of school. So did you feel like you had this, you know, hunger inside you that I'm gonna do? what it takes to make me money to be rich and successful and i think banking is the way to go so so, so I, I guess so so it was like um my when i got thrown out they said he should be a builder okay yeah put into manual labor job. manual labor like plumber builder and, and, and i was always i was always relatively smart i was always ambitious and i thought hey listen like is this what life is there for me that mm-hmm. you know there's limitations on how far you can actually go mm. and um I wanted to, to break the status quo. I thought, I, I can do this. Anyone can do this, you know? Mm. Like, why not, why not me? So, um, you know, when I, when I, you know, the first kind of recognition was when I landed a job in banking, it was like, okay, um, you know, I can, I can compete on this level. But, you know, going into that world is very, you know, what you believe you're going to get or how that life is versus the reality is far from different. Mm. Um, sorry, it's very, very different. You know? Okay. So, you know, going into that world, you realize that actually, number one, the people aren't that smart. Number two, only a very small minority of the people get paid really well. Number three, there's a lot of kiss in banks. You yeah. Know, if you if you want to move up, you've got, you know, kiss your manager's like that's yeah. the only way, really. You know, Every, everybody's best friends with a banker, but nobody's best friends with a banker. <laughs> right. And right. um, and I became very disillusioned mm-hmm. working in the bank. Okay. Um, like extremely disillusioned, and it, it was just because. I didn't aspire to be them. And they, they weren't, they were all idiots or assholes. It was just that they weren't that good. They, they, didn't, they didn't aspire for, you know, to help people or really achieve in life. You know, they were all very comfortable, just sat there. And I felt that, you know, my, my, a famous line I heard, if you're, if you're, you need to be running so fast that you feel like you're going to fall over. Okay. And if you're not doing that, then, you know, you're, you're too comfortable. So my... Okay. So that's kind of like a motto I, I run by, and I felt this this was becoming easy, and it was becoming complacent. And you can see your life being there for 10, 20 years. I was like, hell no, I just I do not want to end up like these guys, mm. you know. And um, and that was kind of like why I decided to kind of leave was the honest truth. All right, Mike, your first business venture was during university, so I want to start off from the bat talking about some of the failures you've had. So why did your first serious business venture importing poker chips in 2005 fail? Okay, so I'll give you some backstory, right? So poker boom's happening right now. It, was, it happened, I think, 2004, and everyone just started playing online poker. And at that time, I used to catch Americans drunk. That was my gig. I was at university, mm-hmm. waking up at 3 a.m., catching Americans online drunk, you know, and beating them for mm-hmm. large stakes. Yeah. Um, I, it was quite easy at that time before the pros started realizing that this was a ticket. So playing poker, and then we're playing with the, the set, but the set was a hundred pounds from Harrods. It was so expensive, and I was like, whoa. Um, and my friend was like, hey, listen, 
this is crazy. So he started messaging people in China um, on AOL Instant Messenger. And he found a few people that said, hey, we can, we can get these landed in, in the UK for, for $10. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, that's, that's cheap. So we went around, we started pitching them to HMV, all the big stores, Toys R Us. Bad move because they just go directly to the suppliers. Yeah. So we knew we had to diversify. Um, you know, at that time, I didn't even know what diversification meant. Like mm-hmm. client side is amazing. So we started branding them. So every set would have um, the chips, the case, the cards. It was all branded. We branded them with the online casinos. And we went and pitched this to a few online casinos. And we managed to land a contract with the biggest one in the world called mm-hmm. 888.com. They were the number one at that time. Yeah. Um, and I was a kid. I'm 19. And I'm at university. And um, so we, we, we had these contracts. And you know that, that was we thought we'd won. I remember we got the deposit. And the first thing we did was is we went to a nightclub and started <laughs> buying champagne. Yeah. You know, we, we, we were loaded. That, that's the way it worked. And the whole thing just went very very quickly downhill okay fair enough look Michael over here we're gonna go deep and this is gonna be as transparent as possible now I want to ask you a hard question have any of your business ventures involved unethical practices because there's a famous saying that you can't become that rich without bending some of the rules so the answer is it depends who you ask okay so um i'll give you an example right so if you buy up all the real estate on a road that you're an entrepreneur mm-hmm. if you buy up all the milk you're an entrepreneur if you buy up all the oil you're an old baron but there's some things which are open markets if you do people are like you know that's wrong mm-hmm. um for example um it could be music or concert tickets mm-hmm. you know like if someone buys all the concert tickets are they entrepreneur or are they the scum of the earth it depends you know what kind of region you're in so i've always tried to keep it um within my kind of ethical kind of you know compass mm-hmm. but you can't please everyone some yeah. people think that that what you do is is wrong but you know but they do something you know everyone's trying to justify their own existence so yeah. i think the main thing is i do as long as no one's being hurt and no one's being defrauded then then i'm then i'm okay you know with that process because the way to build business is to A to B as quickly as you can. Okay. Yep. It's um, it's not to do it the right way. It's to do it the quick way. Mm-hmm. Yep. The right way doesn't always win. It doesn't help. It doesn't help build people and, and help build companies that support families. You know. So if you're running a business, you need to get to B as quickly as you can mm-hmm. in the lowest cost base as you can. Yeah. So some people don't, don't like that concept. So, you know, so yes, ethics is always there. But um, I, I keep my own ethical... You know, kind of compass around mm-hmm. and I'm, I put myself in check quite a lot okay so Mike how did you end up in Thailand okay so um, so I sat there and I watched a video in London and it was Steve Jobs being like it's a, some Stanford address it's a very famous one so like, if you're not happy with what you're about to do um, you know don't do it right yeah. and if you do this multiple times every day and this keeps happening the same answer you should leave so I asked myself that question. I looked around in the in, in kind of the banking world and I kind of like froze. It was like Thunderbirds. Everyone was still. Okay. I was like, I do not want to be doing this. Mm. I'm out. Okay. So, you know, six years later, I was like, I was doing quite well there. I had in my resignation. I told my family, look, I'm, I'm going to get out of Thailand. Oh, sorry, of the UK. Because, you know, you're always associated with the stigma that you have in the UK, you know, mm. with your friends. I wanted to reinvent myself. It was, it, was imp- it was almost impossible to do at home. 
I said, hey, I'm going to Thailand. I've been there on holidays. I loved it, you know. And um, so I called up two of my best friends. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm leaving. and I'm leaving a very well-paid job. And I have some money with me. I'm going to go to Thailand. I'm going to start a business. They're like, what? I was like, no idea. So <laughs> let's, let's, get, let's get the hell out of here, right? Okay. You know, yeah. I'm not enjoying it at home. Um, so we turned up in Thailand, managed to convince two of my friends, uh, probably ruined our lives. <laughs> um, turned up in Thailand and... Um, we didn't know where we were going to be, so we ended up in Bangkok. And um, yeah, at that time, I don't really know Bangkok, so mm. we said, "Hey, can we get a three-bedroom apartment?" Um, and we found one in a day, and it turned out we didn't know what Soy Nana was. We was on Soy Nana. Oh, nice. Okay. I know. So it was the first month. Was basically there was no work involved. It was just understanding that you know <laughs> yeah. we're living down the biggest yeah. red light district in probably let, the world. Let, let me learn my surroundings. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think after that we decided like we can't live here you know without dying very early. So we're going to head to Phuket because I knew Phuket. And the first experience was we were renting a house. Um, a, a villa and the lady didn't have the key she jumped over the garden she was like you my brother you your dad it was just the worst experience ever <laughs> we yeah. didn't trust her you yeah. know we didn't know if we we're going to get our money or if, if this was even the villa were breaking in and then and, you know breaking mm. and entering the villa so um, my business partner um, who who's said this is the one we, we fixed this real estate issue mm. and and literally that was how Fast House was born it was like this is a problem and and we, and we we tried to fix it. So, um, that's kind of like how we ended up, okay. you know, coming up with this. Yeah. yeah. So, so, sorry, just so that the audience knows, so you're you're the owner of DBV. So, or, or let's say you're the you're the major shareholder of DBV, and DBV owns Tiger, Fazwaz, and a host of other companies like Tadu, uh, yeah. this and that. So, yeah. um, so, so me and um, and and my and my two friends and our business partners, we. We set up DBV, which was like a venture builder, okay. to, to, to learn from what the lessons we, we took away from our first venture here. And we thought, listen, we could apply this across the board. So we set up this group, and yes, DBV, you know, yeah, like they, they, they are the main owner of, of, of all these companies. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's always been DBV that's funded. There's, there's been very, very little funding from, from anyone else, is okay. the honest truth. Yeah. And did you ever think Fazwaz, now which is the real estate company, yeah. would ever reach the valuation it's at or ever reach to such a large scale to becoming the top, if not one of the top real estate companies in Thailand? So, so you know, I'm a dreamer. So yeah. I, was, I was actually reading some emails that I sent it around to when I was looking to, to raise some money. And they said, mm -hmm. hey, I'm Michael Kenner, I'm a dreamer. I wake up every day dreaming. Yeah. Um, so I had to tell myself I was going to do it. Um, you know, we kind of looked at the prop tech space. You realised that you've got the Ryan Move or Real Estate .com in Australia or Zillow in the US. And we thought, hey, there's a real opportunity here mm. to 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 kind of really change the markets. But did I really believe it? That it would be as big as it's getting. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. But I had to tell myself because I'm leading a team. Leadership yeah. is about, you know, part of it is making sure people believe the narrative. So, mm. you know, it, I look around. I think it's pretty amazing. But it's it's definitely not me. There is a mm. huge group of people yeah. that are doing this, and they're very talented, and they're the reason it is so is so successful today. But no, it's um, it's hard to fathom that you know yeah. that this is possible. But that makes a lot of sense. If you don't believe it in yourself, how are you ever going to convince someone to follow you on that journey? Because there's only so far you can go with a lie. A hundred percent. So you have to be you have to believe your own shit, mm. and that's something I do. It's like I'm I'm 
100% convinced that we were building the biggest prop tech company in the country, like always. Mm. Um, and so I, when I meet entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, whatever you want to call them, they say, yeah, I'm going to do this, but they don't really believe it. Okay. You know, you have to believe it enough where you put everything on the line because you know it's going to happen. You're yeah. certain it's going to get there. Yeah. So you're willing to risk everything. But there's some people who are just like, you know, I've kind of got a job, I believe it, but you know, or like, you know, I, I don't have any money, but I've got a house. Mm. You know, I, yeah. I have no assets. I sold everything that I had to, to invest in what I really believed in. And, it, and I think that when people make that kind of leap of faith and, and they fully believe in it, then yeah. you have to kind of think, okay, this guy might actually succeed in, in, in what he's trying to achieve. Yeah. DBV as a whole is approximately valued at $100 million. Now, firstly, how does this valuation be set? Is this, you know taking into calculation how much each company earns in terms of revenue like who, who sets this valuation it is yeah it's very much like airy fairy easy on its truth so the, the way you value companies or the way they value the modern world is they're they're either usually trading as a multiple of revenue or something called EBITDA which is like profit yeah? okay so the way to kind of bench your your valuation is to say right look at public traded companies in say the US the UK Australia established markets and be like, okay, what multiples are they trading at, like for like? And then you could probably discount for, you know, Thailand, because Thailand's a difficult market. It's yeah. the GDP per capita is, is, is obviously a lot lower in established markets. You know, population size is, is re- relatively limited. Mm. And then you can roughly get to an approx valuation, approximate valuation of your company. So that gives you like high level. And then you use um, VCs or funds to validate your price along the way. Okay. So, so we know roughly how much the group is worth at any one point you know but the only truth is is it's as much as someone wants to pay for it yeah so it could be a lot higher a lot lower but we know an approximate valuation of, of where we are okay now mike i would say you're an extreme example of what success means in thailand because not everyone can can reach that level now what i'm referring to is like let's say i'm a foreigner and which i am but <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds crazy to me that you know what you did it it took a lot of chutzpah didn't it yeah to just leave everything you're you're in a comfortable job you're earning a good living you're you're in banking and i'm like i want to make a name for myself i want to do something big i'm going to leave my country travel halfway across the world and go to thailand of all places known for many other things other than businesses you know so how and why should a foreigner uh, you know, how can they open multiple businesses in a country like Thailand, of all places, that is not very foreigner friendly, if we're being completely honest? You know, what are the challenges that you had to face, i.e., like ownership rules, tax, corruption, mafia, police, this and that? There's a lot of stigma um, associated with Thailand when you want to open a business here. So, what are some of the challenges you faced? So, it's, it's a bit of a minefield. I think the first one is you have to ground yourself, especially. Especially here, if you're a young male coming here, you know, like you have to ground yourself. You yeah. cannot get caught up in it because I, I see so many people get lost here and they all think they're working, but really, you know, are, are they working? Yeah. So the number one is just definitely ground yourself because, you know, this is, this could become like a playground for you, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if, if, if you, if you don't really have the discipline. So be disciplined. The second part is definitely find people to find great business partners. It's so important that will fill different gaps in what you're not good at, you yeah. know, and maybe personality gaps yeah. as well. A lot of the times people just open a business up with 
a friend. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, I'm opening this business up with a friend. Fast forward six months later, you're bankrupt and yeah, you've broken all relationship with your friend. 100%. It's, it's like choosing a life partner because a business takes five, ten years, right? Yeah. Realistically. Mm. So that's a long commitment. So you have to make sure you're in with the right people. And for, for me, it's my, very much a causing process. I've learned a lot through this. And I always say this, who are you doing business with? And, you know, you can't just be like, oh, we're mates from the gym. It has to be that they fill different gaps because it can be very lonely and very depressing building business because they don't succeed at the start. There's a wild journey. So you really need someone to help pick you up mm -hmm. and so you need great people around you. So so find great business partners and, and make sure you vet them, not the first guy that wants to do a business mm -hmm. with you. Um, yeah. Great people and, and that will really help. So you've got the personal side and then you've actually got the physical business side. And like the challenges of setting up a business in Thailand is number one, like ownership laws of companies is difficult here. You know, like standardly, you can only own 49% of a Thai company, yeah. right? Unless you use a different structure. That's uh, what you did, BOI. Correct. So the, the, the government's getting better in supporting it. So they've got the board of investors, which allows you to do some different business units, as long as it's adding value to, to Thailand. When I say adding value, usually it's like training, um, you know, training, um, skilling up, uh, you know, young tires. So technology companies do well. They love this mm -hmm. um, as long as you sh show a plan. Um, so there's all different types of companies that the BIY lets you do. We have to do a business plan, and you can imagine Thailand is yeah. so slow. But was it difficult? Said you know, you come up with your business plan. You want to enter Thailand with the BOI. How difficult was it to get through the initial stages? Oh yeah, it's a lot of paper paperwork. Paperwork. I'm it's yeah. painful, yeah. and you're pitching this to the the the, the BOI of government and because you're speaking English and they speak English you know relatively yeah but there's a total disconnect the process like everything in in, in kind of emerging markets it needs to evolve to facilitate this but it's challenging but I had um, some good tire staff help me along the way mm -hmm. but the business plan that I was showing versus really what I was trying to do I was just kind of like you know checking boxes for them and it was mm -hmm. it was difficult I wanted to pitch them this is the idea the idea was we build Siam Valley, which was Silicon Valley in Phuket, and that that was the idea initially. And we train, we create a tech hub in Phuket. What what a big kind of thing to kind of say to them. Um, and I, I thought it was you know it added a lot of value to 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 not just Thailand but Phuket as well. And let's really you know redefine and create a tech hub in a great location. And and why did you pick BOI? Wouldn't it be a lot more simpler to find a Thai partner and? A hundred percent. I yeah. mean, that's the easy way. And we did this initially, but the truth is, is that you can't own it. So if you're building a company of scale, which is like own my only part, I'm not, I don't really know about small operations, but if you're building a company of scale to sell, mm -hmm. you need a clear ownership structure. Okay. No one's going to buy a company where it has to be owned 51% by Thai because they can't actually own it. Yeah. Yeah. So they can never acquire the company. So you have to have a structure where you're building to sell. So this allows a foreign entity to come in or, or Thai entity to come in and own 100% clear outright. And I think um, it's the only structure if you're non-Thai as a foreigner here to, to really structure a company to sell. So that, that's super important you get the structure right. It's the, it's where I would start. So you know we have our IP in Singapore mm -hmm. and we have our operating companies in Thailand and it allows for a very um, investor-friendly structure. Mm. Yeah. And how do you finance these projects? Like, Do you have to be a rich foreigner you know this all these uh, talks about Thailand elite they're gonna come to the country and invest in our country like so do you have to be rich already coming into the country or are there realistic funding opportunities in Thailand for foreigners yeah it's, it's a hard one I mean literally there are none 
Um, okay. No funding. Like I said, banks won't lend us because you know, even if you live here for 10 years like I do, because I'm not Thai, they won't lend the company. They only lend Thai companies. It's very much a, it's not fair really. You know, you go to the UK, you can be any nationality, you have a British company, they'll lend against this, right? Okay. But in Thailand, they don't. And Is the, there a reason why? It's just, it's just. I think it's in some Southeast Asian markets, but I, I don't really know why. So, so if you wanted to, let's say, invest 100 million baht in the company, you couldn't go to just a Thai bank because the procedure and at the end you'll just get denied. Yeah, so like during COVID, okay. a, a small Thai restaurant could loan, loan money from the bank to you know, fund cash flow shortages because we, we had real troubles. Um, but we went to the banks and mm-hmm. we've got huge, huge headcounts, hundreds of people. They wouldn't give us one dollar. Like literally not one bar okay. and it wasn't because you know we had a bad business it was just like you're not tight and it's definitely like so you have to deal with some of the stuff here which you wouldn't get anywhere else i mean it's just obviously like it's, it's inequalities for foreigners coming we're living in the society here where in my home country you could come from anywhere and as long as you're contributing you can get treated equally yeah but so so there are challenges and mm-hmm. then so it's the only other route you have is the vc route and that's also very challenging yeah okay and is that what you did? So, so I, I funded a lot of companies myself initially. I was kind of in a fortunate position. I came out here with some money. And um, eventually we had to go to, to get funds. There's only a certain amount of money you can put in before you're, you don't have any money left, mm-hmm. right? So the issue with the VCs, is, especially in Thailand and Southeast Asia, number one is that, you know, like let's be honest, VCs, the people you're speaking to, they're all kids, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, they seem to be very young. Yeah, they, they're, they're not. They're not entrepreneurs. Most of them. They're just working in a job, right? So, and you know, they they, are, how can they spot a good business? So, a lot of them are kind of followers, like sheep or VCs, where it's like, oh, if someone else is investing, they will just follow. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of them just have targets. You're not wasting so much time speaking to VCs. They don't even care half the time. They've got no money to invest. So, mm. um, this is just the truth. So, um, the VC space is really, really difficult and it's basically a numbers game you know you tell the story they want to hear as well don't tell the story that you want to tell them just tell them what they want to hear mm-hmm. would you compromise for money so if they said hey you was going to do this but really they said well if you kind of did this i'll give you money just always be what what try and fit into their box but it's the whole funding mechanism in time is hard and to get vc money i mean there's not loads of it going around i mean there's other markets of these funds like like indonesia where there's 300 million people and Vietnam, where it's a crazily growing market, and then Thailand kind of gets left at the back slightly, yeah. because there's not that many success stories. Mm. And you've got to think in the U.S. Usually, the rich founders have done really well, like the Facebooks or or the Microsoft. They create their own funds and reinvest their money back into the system. In Thailand, it's just the, the, the yeah. richest families in the world are not. Well, sorry, the richest families in Thailand are not contributing to the technology startup system. Mm. So it's like, where, where is the money coming from? There's yeah. just a lack of funding. And it's sad because Thailand could really do much better. Like, yeah. And you know, the people are, are natural entrepreneurs the way, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of structured in life. And, and it, so it, it's, it's a difficult one for Thais and, and it's even more difficult for foreigners, like extremely difficult. Yeah. Okay. I know, Mike, you told me that you came up with the idea of, you know, what you want to do as a business when you answered the question what you want to fix. Like, where is there a need to fix? So you thought that, that, you know, real estate could really be improved. Now, there's a very common saying, at least in Thai society, in my generation, that if you graduate university and you don't know what to do, you open up a coffee shop. (laughs) 
And that's why there are so many coffee shops in Thailand. But how do you choose a great idea? I'm not talking about a good idea, but a great idea that you can scale. And, you know, it, it, you see many foreigners in Thailand owning restaurants, owning bars, owning, you know, um, F&B kind of uh, hospitality t- businesses. But how do you choose a great idea? Ooh, yeah, I mean, that's a very difficult question. Yeah, it's, it's a hard one. So, okay, if we just we niche this out slightly just to be like, okay, companies at scale. Yep. Now, I, I don't know too much about the F&B and, and, you know, this kind of premises. I know some friends that own restaurants do extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Bartels and Phuket, by the way, who are absolutely killing it. Best sandwiches I've had. Oh, Bartels very good. Really yeah. good, yeah. yeah. Um, but if we're talking about technology businesses, right, so which is allows you to scale because the, the concept of scours is that you can grow without having to double or triple or quadruple your headcount. Mm. That's... That's for me what scale. So util- utilizing technology to scale. So how do you vet a good idea? The truth is, is that you know, uh, you know, are you really solving an issue, right? Or are you just pretending you're solving an issue? Are you yeah. don't try and change the markets, try and complement the markets. Would would your friends and family buy your products or service you're offering? And could you get ten people outside your friends and family? To, to validate that this is a good idea. Was it, would they actually not just say, oh, that's a fantastic idea, son. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. or, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, mate. You should do it. Like, would yeah. they actually buy, make, them, make them buy the product service? MVP. Test this using something called minimal viable product. People over-engineer and over-build. Build the cheapest version of what you're trying to build and, and do it as quickly and test it. Most okay. people, they go well beyond. So what we do is we just test lots of ideas really cheaply. Hey, does this work? Does that work? Could this have demand? Um, and we take it to market really quickly, really cheaply as well. And that way we don't waste our time. Because, listen, money you can waste. Of course, time you cannot get back. You cannot make more of time. Mm-hmm. So it's so important that you do, that you validate your concept quickly and cheaply. Don't, don't spend time. So th- the best way I would be is, like, you know, I, you know, you, c- you can now work out who entrepreneurs and who are, who isn't. It's, okay. it's, I, I'm quite good at this now because most people are like, I've got an idea. I'm like so is everyone you know mm-hmm. I don't entertain these conversations yeah. it's more like hey I've thought about it I've got a structured deck I've got this presentation I want to show you and it's thought out these people will succeed usually maybe not in that concept but if they mm. operate like this then of course they'll succeed but I've had people just come up to me recently oh Mike I've got an idea I was like I don't care you know <laughs> tell your idea to your mum <laughs> you know like like literally yeah. you know my time is valuable so um you know, you, it could be any idea as long as it's structured well and thought out, and you, you know, you start, you, you start the way you want to finish mm-hmm. as strong as you can. Yeah, and I think one of the best advisors, even when I started off in the tiger, you gave me was, look, Jay, if you have an idea, and you want people to either believe in it or do it, come up with a proper plan, come up with a presentation, show them why that they need to invest their time and money in it, and you're definitely more likely to get that than you know just being like mike i've got a great idea you should believe in me yeah you know show the hard facts show the projections show what's possible you know if if you truly believe in it then try to share that belief and dream rather than just hoping for the best yeah it's hard because you know they don't know how to do this if they've never done it before but look there's so much content out on on, online it's Mm. just people just lazy yeah people like hey mike got this idea i'm like listen i travel on flights every week I have an hour, say, you know, minimum on a, on a flight where I'd read someone's business plan if they sent it to me. Not one person has ever given me anything. Mm. Not one. You know, and, and it's sad. 
because you know internally in terms of my stuff and sometimes you know people actually do and I'm like wow this is good mm. because like if I've spent that much time thinking about it then the chances are it's probably not a bad idea because I've yeah. gone through it in detail to mm. try and understand the market so um, yeah whatever you're going to do just just if you're looking for money or you know even if you're for yourself without even looking for investment put it down don't just come up with an idea and be like I'm going to do it and focus on your logo and your website or your business cards I mean god okay. I mean it's just silly you know right. focus on the actual yeah. concept does this make sense really mm. you know and then once you have that you have much more chance of succession let's talk about leadership lead by example or you, put the right people in the right position to lead yes find leaders that's it it's like some some entrepreneurs do not are not natural leaders okay. um, which is weird right because you think they would be but leadership I you know, this is not my quote so I'm paraphrasing someone else but there's bad leaders are managers and great managers are leaders so the game is is to always be a leader and a leader of people you need people to be able to follow you in the vision that's really what's going to get them to work the extra hours or the extra care a very dedicated and motivated team that believe in one vision has a higher chance of succession so the question is, is is how do you develop leadership skills you know can you be a leader because look if you go back to like you know ancient times there was always one guy leading your troops into war yeah um you know not everyone could do this so but there are courses to develop this this kind of skill sets but you need people to follow you um it's super important so and, and the aim is to have multiple leaders not just not just you just can't be the only leader mm. you need everyone to be leading yeah. so I would say that entrepreneurism is something that can be done internally you don't need to be a company owner to be an entrepreneur you can use this skill set as inside a company structure and really have these qualities so 100% find great people this is all it is mm -hmm. find great people it's not uh, I'll give you an example Jay right yeah. in the Tiger you're pretty good <laughs> you know and I think you lead people I watch the way you command your team mm -hmm. And, and this skill set is admirable because you care not just about the quality of work, but you care about your team. Mm. Where some people care about themselves and not anything else. And it's all about them. And I think these people, unfortunately, they never hit the higher echelons of success. Um, in, in terms of, you know, if you take 100 people and, you, and you, you, you took a sample size. So I think, like, find great people who have natural leadership skills and most of them don't even know they have leadership skills that's mm. a weird thing yep. once you understand what you're looking for you'll be like yeah he's a, he's awesome he's a great leader of people and it's such an important skill set it's probably the most important thing building a business find great people right <laughs> much high, much higher chances of success okay uh, okay i've got a more deeper question yeah. for you because i've noticed as well like look the the empowerment of leaders and especially young leaders in your companies does that stem from your own past experiences or struggles trying to make a name for yourself yes so 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 when I was in banking I always thought I could do more but no one to listen to me I was a kid you know that stigma was I was a kid it was always someone above me that was you know less 100% less intelligent than me less motivated less dedicated mm -hmm. who'd been making the decisions you know um, so I realized coming here I said this was my aim and you know people think you know it might be about money but the honest truth was I said I want people to walk past me or other people and say I work for Michael Kenny he's a great guy that is still today 
you know, on the top of the reasons why I'm doing it. And it was the reason why then, and we're still there. So I, I noticed that some people don't have the opportunities, you know, to to excel, but they're great people. Um, an example in, in Sedataga, there's a young guy in our company called Prook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to be clear, he's the main reason the Tiger's done so well. Mm. Yeah, like 90% of it. Yeah. You know, and every, everyone thinks, that, you know, well, these other people, no, no, this young guy who, you know, maybe get a little picture up on the screen. Yeah. This guy here <laughs> has, is, is responsible <laughs> for 40 million users per year coming to the Tiger. Yeah, but he, unfortunately, He'll never take any credit unless the front people give him credit. Now, mm. I'm there every day. I just sat down with him. I'm like, hey, man, you are the bee's knees. You are awesome. You know, young Thai guy. Probably wasn't given a second look at different opportunities out there. And now he's blowing up. And I see this in all different parts of all the group. We've got some amazing young Thai talent who are blowing up. Yeah. That probably wasn't given the same um, opportunities that, say, wealthy, more educated Thais were. But these guys are killers, and that's what you need. They yeah. won't stop until you, you win. Yeah. So um, it definitely stems from me not being given opportunities. Mm. And now I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I can provide opportunities. It's not identifying, you know, the people's got the, you know the, the, the people got the best banter or your best mates. Mm. It's the people that really can can fly, and it, it's 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 such an amazing feeling watching them blow up. Mm. I'm like, wow, this buzzes yeah. me out. Yeah. Mike, talking on the topic of Tiger, let's get some things clear. Yeah. And I think this is something that we need to address for all of our viewers as they um, might have some questions. Mm. So now DBV owns the Tiger, which basically means you're one of the owners of Tiger. Sure. So who is the founder of Tiger? I'm talking about the Tiger we all know, because some people think it's a radio station. Some people think, oh, no, it's Phuket Gazette. So, so who founded the Tiger and... <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so this is the backstory. This is the truth because I did it. Um, me and two friends, who my business partners, who okay. in all the companies, we got introduced to the Puket Gazette through someone called Bill Barnett. Um, shout out to Bill, you know. Um, and they were having a bit of trouble. You know, they were basically a traditional newspaper, big one at the time, but it was moving to digital. Um, and we thought that we could buy their digital assets mainly for the real estate side. We thought, hey, they've got great. Mm. You know, we didn't really understand what we were doing. Yep. So, myself, Paul and Brennan, under our company, we acquired the digital assets of the Puket Gazette. Um, and everything was fine. We had it for a year. We didn't actually do much with it. Um, and at that time, I was introduced to Tim, and he had a radio station at that point. Mm-hmm. Now, the radio station was unprofitable, and it, it, it wasn't a good business. It was failing. So, um, I said, Tim, do you want to come and work for this company? And we we branded it using his name. But the Tiger, the backstory is it's not a radio station. This is not this is nothing we ever had in the company. Um, the narrative it, it might have been said that way, but the truth is is that we never we never did a radio station. Mm-hmm. Tim had a radio station, which was unprofitable. Which we ended up having to liquidate and pay and pay for, and and we lost quite a lot of money doing it. So um, we then built this business and we hired some great people. Tim was definitely one of them. Who, who was who was hired and paid a salary, but we had some other amazing people, and the honest truth is is that there's a there's a guy called Prook who's who's sat here. He's responsible for now 40 million users that come through. He's the mm. core reason on the platform on the website, which is the biggest part of of the business is the website. Yeah. Everyone thinks it's a YouTube channel. Um, he's the main reason. Another guy called Paulie, 
who helped build this technology. Super quick, super smart guy. Um, and plus now, you know, 70 people that make the business, it, it is what it is today. And, you know, as a, a Oh, we had a bit of lightning there. This, this is a storm. I know. Coming. It was like, it was like, <laughs> as I was saying it. Um, but yeah, so there's some great people inside the business and businesses are not built of one person. Yeah. So anyone that takes a spotlight saying, hey, I built any business, whether it was a tiger or anything else, it's just not the true story. Mm. Um, people build businesses, groups of people build businesses, amazing teams build businesses, and the tiger has unbelievable people sat here, young, motivated, dedicated, mm -hmm. and they are the reasons that it happens. You know, there's no, there's no one man. As I, as I said before, if I left tomorrow or yeah. died, the business would grow. Okay. Um, and and so I think, yeah. So so that's kind of how I perceive any business. Mm. I, I think that's fair for a company like Tiger as well, because you know, me, Natty, and Jet are the faces of the company. It's easy to feel like, oh, these three are the Tiger. But you're right, as in if I left the Tiger tomorrow for whatever reason, of course the company's going to move forward and continue. And uh, I think it's more than just a, a company like the Tiger should not just be dependent on one person. No, I, th I think it's a narrative you tell as well. So, you know, if you want to, if, if there's definitely ego at play and you want to make out that this is a one person company, you know, it, it's not. I mean, with this, this conversation we're having, I can see camera people, editors, people helping out with props there's so many people involved and these mm -hmm. are the unsung heroes yeah, this is why it happens every day it's not because someone gets up or you come along and put your face on it it's because of these people and without people like you these people don't go to work they're not motivated don't feel they're treated mm. well yeah. they're not happy then you know so i think that you know it's a team effort and it always has been and it mm. always will be and you know the rhetoric that it's anyone or individual whether it's me or whether it's someone else this is just not not true okay yeah so then are you the majority shareholder of the Tiger? Yes. Have you always been? <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. So yeah, so you know, at one point we owned it a hundred percent and then I gave some people shares. No no one paid me any money for them. Um, and then we had a round, which we did a crowdfunding round with some investors and mm -hmm. they were amazing. Mm. And they basically in the most difficult time they put their capital in. Yeah. And these investors are also unsunk heroes. They literally came in during a very difficult time during COVID and basically propped up the company and allowed us to grow and pay the salaries of everyone else. But um, yeah, the only way really you can, you can be owning a company is you're funding it. That's the whole way it is. Okay. So you can't, you can't own a company by getting yeah. paid a, a salary. It just does, doesn't, you, you can mm -hmm. if you're paying yourself. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so it's... Um, yeah. Well, you know, talking about unsung heroes and people who don't get a lot of attention like Perk, like Paulie, for example. I'm, it, it's actually quite true that you're one of the unsung heroes because for example, um, I, I think Tim's before said that he started TNT Talent News Today during the pandemic on a dare that, that you gave him to start like an evening headlines show. And uh, when I joined uh, Good Morning Thailand, for example, was an idea you had from Good Morning Britain, a show that you grew up watching. So. I mean, in, in, in my opinion, you are solely responsible for the creation of the Tiger's two most popular shows that everyone watches and loves. Which, which but you've, I mean, nobody really knows that, though. Yeah, because, do you know what, because my stress is, is, is that 
And, and the first thing for me is to make sure I take care of the staff. Before any of the viewers, the staff have to be taken care of. Everyone needs to be paid salaries and provide for their families. That's the most important thing. So behind all of that, that stress and that immense pressure, having you know, a group of companies with hundreds of people just sat there everywhere, and they support hundreds of other people, is the only thing I can put my time. It's very hard to sit back and then take a pat on the back and be like, okay, good job, you know. So I think if I, I'm not in this for pats on the back, and I appreciate you know your very kind words. But the honest truth is, is coming up with an idea is one thing. It's the people who actually make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, and it's sure. you know it's the people who executed that and again there are so many people involved in executing a business strategy that do not take the credit and these mm. people should be given credit to mm. and I'm going to make it my my kind of a part of my mission to make sure these people get rewarded equally talking about Thailand news today like coming up with a headlines show for Thailand was there a specific reason that you decided to do that for example like you know Bangkok Post one of the biggest you know, uh, English-speaking news companies in Thailand, they never even ventured into uh, social media or, you know, in, in, on YouTube, for example. But, you know, Tiger already being a successful news website, why did you think that Tiger could start doing the news on YouTube? Was that just a feeling that you had or is that something you felt like, okay, there's a gap in this market and that's where we need to... Do you know uh, what? I, I would like to pretend like I had some, like you know, some, some profound experience. Then she said, "I was like, try it. Everything. I'm like, try it. Have a go. See if it works. If it doesn't, we kill it off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have a chat today. Yeah. If our viewers like this, then we'll have more chats. If they don't, you know, mm. we'll, 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 we'll we'll see it off. So the main thing for us is is move quickly, super quickly. Try new things. There. Have a go. Don't don't sit there and be like, I'm going to overthink this scenario. So the main thing is, could we do this? Well, let's find out. Let's have a go. Did it work? We started seeing traction. It started to work. Let's do more of it. Mm. You know, would people like a talk show? Maybe, maybe not. At the start, not so much, and they started to enjoy it. So, mm. have a go. Move quickly, and, um, and 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 really push the boundaries. Be innovative. You know, mm. like. And things change with time. For example, I think when we started Good Morning Thailand, like the idea that it was Good Morning Britain, I think now that it's kind of just evolved into something else, and sometimes you just have to go with the flow. Yeah, and you know, and you have to take like the wider perspective when you're analysing stuff. If you just, for example, on YouTube, there's a few commenters that will just be like, "Oh, we don't like this," or "Bring back Tim." And the honest truth is, is that this is not the majority. The loudest people do not represent anything. Is the honest truth. So you have to look at the whole. The, all the numbers would be like how many people are watching this and enjoying it not the people who are miserable and just like feel like they have to say something mm. it's um so so you can analyze lots of data and be like okay is this actually good and then you, you've got the answer mm. you don't need people to to validate it by commenting most people don't don't say anything they yeah. just sit there and watch and enjoy um so stuff evolves and that's it keep challenging keep improving keep innovating this is the, the this is how you succeed because otherwise someone else comes along mm -hmm. and copies your model and innovates your model and then they they kind of jump you so it's all about building stuff innovating and really daring don't just sit there and be okay you know Pete, i've heard this comment which is like if it's not broken don't fix it this is this is not true anymore guys yeah that's why new businesses are the biggest businesses in the world because the you know if it's not broken don't fix it it's like that's what blockbuster said and then netflix came along and innovated mm -hmm. by the time they had a second peep it was done so I think innovation is core, provide better experience, provide, you know, give our users more enjoyment on, on any product, service, doesn't really matter. 
keep pushing that boundaries don't don't rest in your laurels where it's like okay you know i'm happy i'm winning you know i'm always going to be winning as soon as you get into that comfort zone you lose it's you you have to innovate or you're out yeah mm. so and i okay. believe that this is where we're going with this okay right mike to end this podcast i'm going to refer back to the title of this video which is going to be called how to build a hundred million dollar business in thailand what's the one piece of advice you'd give young old middle-aged entrepreneurs people who are trying to make make it in this world you have to believe you you have to believe you have to really believe your own story whatever shit you're saying you have to believe it right you have to force yourself to say this is where i'm going to go so if you're built like to get to a hundred million dollar valuation you need to build something really big you have to be a dreamer you have to dream beyond most people can't dream not to these levels right in terms of of you have to say okay this is where i think i can go with this and believe it and nothing is going to stop me nothing because you know i've vowed too many times along the way if i did not have that belief system we'd i just i just would have quit right going back to a job you know mm. just laid in bed for a little while you have to believe if you don't believe you will not achieve and i think that's the same with this that the best sports people, the best musicians, they were all dreamers, they all believed they could do it at some point, become the best of what they do. Mm. And I still believe, I still believe that at some point, you know, this is gonna be a lot bigger, that I will be able to help a lot more people and inspire a lot more people. So you have to believe, and if you don't believe, don't bother doing it. Stay what you're doing. So I would say that's, if you ask me for one thing, that that would be it. All right, Mike, uh, I'd like to take this moment to thank you for being on the podcast, the first Tiger podcast. Uh, thank you for your uh, advice and all the information that you've provided. And uh, we hope to invite more and more interesting guests like you on the Tiger podcast. Uh, as for now, I'd like to s wish you well in your future entrepreneurship. Thank you for some air touch. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and uh, stay tuned for next time when we have another guest on Tiger podcast.